Produced by PI Media. Hi, I'm Deborah Feinberg. Welcome to The Adventurous Teacher, a podcast from Talma. The reason why we create this podcast is to pull back the curtains on our community and let you into all that is happening. Whether hearing from our supporters and partners on why they choose to get behind our teachers in the work of Talma, to hearing the passion, motivations, and experiences of our teachers, straight from the source. Whether the summer program or the full year program, we call Talma a pioneering experience. We're working to create something different, and that comes with its own share of challenges. Teaching in a foreign country is a challenge. There will be hurdles along your way. Sometimes it's missteps, mishaps, or little annoyances, like dealing with a rowdy student. Sometimes you'll encounter a challenge that, well, won't be fun, no matter how you spin it, but you'll be tougher for it. Other times, you'll find yourself in a situation you could never have imagined, so unexpected, so strange that <laughs> all you can do really is laugh it off. Alex Franco and Jonathan Polino are alumni Tama teachers friends and were roommates during their first summer with Talma. One night during their first summer, they were sleeping when, well, I don't even know where to begin with this or how to explain it. So here, just listen to them tell it. So uh, this is during my first summer of Talma. So Alex and I are very, very, very close. We're very good friends. Um, but at this point, we didn't really know each other that well because it was only our second week um, of knowing each other. We were also roommates. We were on Kibbutz Mizra, and Kibbutz Mizra uh, has a hotel where we stayed, and the hotel has a courtyard in the back. And it being the north of Israel in the summer, it's very pleasant in the evening to sit out with, uh, you know, two to two dozen bottles of wine uh, with your fellow teachers and, and decompress from the day. So, you know, as per usual, I mean, we were sitting outside, um, having a few glasses of wine, uh, which eventually turned into a few bottles of wine. And it was getting late, so I decided to go to bed. Jonathan has, has long since been asleep. He's much more responsible than I am. So eventually he decided it was time for him to go to sleep. So he came into the room, he shut the door, and he went to bed. About probably an hour later or so, probably I would say maybe three in the morning, the, uh, we hear this like loud bang. And then about a minute to a minute and a half later, all of a sudden, the lights in our room start to flicker. And my first immediate thought is, come on, Jonathan. We've been in this room for a week and a half now. Like, you should know what lights turn on what. And I roll over to tell him that, and I notice him still in bed. We both jump up out of bed. And we both look at the uh, sort of entry hallway to our room, and there's a man. The stranger standing in our room. And instantly, like a, like a gazelle from a watering hole, Jonathan shoots to his feet. Uh, and he starts pacing back and forth. And I'm, like, looking for, like, a chair or I'm looking for some kind of weapon to, like, defend ourselves against this stranger. In a, I have no idea who this person is, why he's in our room at, like, 3 in the morning, and, like, what he's doing. So as I am, like, frantically running around the room, Alex is very calmly in bed. It's an important detail Jonathan likes to underline. I've not at all gotten out of bed. So 
I turn to the man and I say, what are you doing in our room? And this man, very drunk, looks at us and with complete conviction goes, this is my room. To which I am immediately appalled with the thought that I have drunkenly stumbled into a stranger's room. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God, how much have we, are we in the wrong room? So I look at Alex and like, I look at the room and I'm like, this is our room. So I'm like running around the room. Jonathan at this point is grabbing whatever he can, uh, a chair, a pencil, uh, ready to defend us if he needs to be. At this point, I'm like screaming at the guy. I'm like, you need to like leave our room. And Alex is laying in bed very calm, very like relaxed and goes, excuse me, sir, please evacuate the premises. Now I'm thinking to myself, why, oh, why would he be using manners when there is a stranger in a room at, like, 3 in the morning? This whole time I haven't gotten out of bed. So as we go back and forth, finally the man leaves and he, he's now convinced that he is in the wrong room. He stumbles out into the hallway, tries to stumble into the room across the hall from us, which also belonged to Tutama teachers, and we gently correct him and send him on his way. We sort of then collapse into uh, hysterics. So after rapping about it, and I'm finally like, you want to know what? I have to use the restroom, and then it's time to go back to bed. So I go into the restroom, and what turns out that loud bang was him putting the toilet seat down and peeing on top of the toilet seat. So now the bathroom is obviously disgusting, right, because there's a piss everywhere. This is, of course, unacceptable. Uh, so we go to the reception desk, we go and we say, look, it, it will sound like we're trying to prank you, but we promise we're being honest. And we explain the situation, and after telling, like, the front desk personnel, without batting an eye, the, you know, 19-year-old Israeli girl behind the counter goes, ugh, not again. And Alex and I turned to each other and we were like, where are we where this is a reoccurring thing? And that is, uh, that is a famous story of the man who broke into our room our first year on Tama. A very, very lovable memory. In the years since it happened, the story you just heard has become Tama folklore. It's told and retold at our social gatherings, on Instagram, and now on the podcast Airwaves. And frankly, having heard it a million times myself, it never gets old. It's popular because, while at the time it must have been mortifying, in retrospect, it came to be emblematic of the need for Talma teachers to be prepared for anything. And for all the anxiety, the sleeplessness, and having to deal with another human's bodily fluids, in the end, it did end up bringing Alex and John just a little bit closer together. It's funny how that happens, right? How the worst things that could ever happen sometimes bring people closer together. Once walking to the school, my pants tore. Like I get this, like, I don't know, I guess a pants are too tight or something. I got this hair right in my, like right in the, the backside. So you kind of see I was wearing underwear and I was like, you would see my underwear, like right on my butt. And it was really bad. And I had a sweater. So I like took the sweater and wrapped it around and like, you know, I was like a preppy kind of sort of covered the tear. And I was fine to get to the school. But when the the co-teachers found out, basically every, all the Palestinian women, there was only other, all the co-teachers were female. All of these women, like, 
their mother instincts just kicked in and they like pushed me into her closet. They said, take off your pants. And I was like, what? And they're like, take off your pants, give us your pants. So I was like, just staying in this closet while, and they grab my pants and they're like, we can get this fixed. And I guess they had some tailor or somebody in the area. And like, they ran off to this tailor, got it all sewed up. And I just hung out in the closet for 25 minutes and they brought it back and like assured me, you know, they wouldn't even let me pay for it. Like they covered it. Gavin was in a relatively unique and challenging position of piloting Thomas first summer program in a Palestinian school in East Jerusalem. Ripping his pants, a nightmare to most of us regardless of location, actually helped bridge the cultural gap between him and his co-teachers. Because no matter your politics, religion, or where you are in the world, ripped pants are ripped pants, and humanity dictates that you don't leave your fellow teachers hanging. Literally. But just about every Talmud teacher has one of these stories no matter where they're placed to teach. All over Israel, little cultural differences can lead to unexpected places or conversations. The girls, being in a religious school, uh, they don't know much about my world and how they're kind of, they're kind of in their own little bubble there. And they were, they knew that I was 28 years old, so they were assuming that I was married with many children. And um, one of them asked me about it, like, you know, are you, do you have children? And I said, no, I don't, you know, I just have a dog. And um, my co-teacher kind of helped translate and they said, well, you know, you're married though, right? And uh, the look of shock on her face was just, hysterical and then she asks me well when will you like like I should be married tomorrow like do I need help do I need someone to work with me like some kind of matchmaker (laughs) and uh and I said I don't know when will you know when I'll be married I don't know that's and then she finally told me oh well Hashem knows Hashem knows only God knows and I thought that was pretty hysterical because it's just such a different reality than for them than it is for me. For, to them, I should be like a grandmother. Cultural differences, plus the language barrier you'll face when working with younger Israeli children who are just learning English, let alone attempting Hebrew in day-to-day life, can really be a recipe for, well, all sorts of ridiculous moments. Before this next story, let me add a quick note of warning here. The following few minutes are going to contain... A few naughty words. We just finished a story, a short story with my 10th graders and my 9th graders actually, um, called Mr. Know-All. And it's about this this, uh, new immigrant to to Britain and, you know, he works in the post-World War I pearl industry, trying to figure out if, if pearls are real or cultured, this, that, the other thing. And I had a student write his, his uh, summative assessment essay post-reading, uh, and it was to rewrite the scene or whatever in the story. And because he's from, his family's from Uzbekistan, I think, his handwriting has a... It needs work. All of the students' handwriting needs work. But he meant pearls. I will now read the students' work. 
the first two sentences. One evening at dinner, we talked about penis. I talked with the doctor about how hard it is to make penis. Penis is my hobby. I'm an expert of penis. How uh, Mr. Ramsey didn't know anything about penises. I was surprised. After 10 minutes, we were in the middle of a heated argument. I tell him that I know all about penises and this is my business. It goes on for a good page and a half, just like that. He needs to work on his penmanship. I stopped grading and I told him he needs to rewrite the paper. There was one day where I was trying to learn Hebrew and I was practicing with the girls and there's a Hebrew word that if you say it properly, it means one thing. And if you mispronounce it just a little bit, it, it's a curse word in Hebrew. And I, someone asked me what the appropriate word was. And I very confidently on the bus shouted the Hebrew word that I thought was appropriate. And it ended up being this inappropriate word that I shouted. And the bus driver then heard what I yelled. Um, and turned around laughing so hard that he was steering all over the place um, and not paying attention to where we were going because of my Hebrew mistake. The story's probably much, much funnier if I could tell you what I actually screamed, but you're going to have to use your Hebrew knowledge to figure out what words sound similar enough, but it was um, definitely the funniest bus experience. I was teaching at a Palestinian boys' school in East Jerusalem, and my story is from one of the first few days. So um, on this day, so basically Talma brought all of our co-teachers together and we had PD, we planned lessons, uh, and we got to know each other. And I was so excited to meet my co-teachers. I was lucky enough to have two. And I wanted to make a really good impression, not only because we would be teaching together for the summer, but also because it was my first time teaching with Palestinian teachers and being in an Arab school. Um, and I really wanted to get it off on the right foot. So uh, my teachers told me about themselves and they were very conservative. They were, you know, they were hijabs. They talked about not like talking or touching men before you got married, things like that. Um, and they're just conservative. They're great. I love them. So I really wanted to make an effort, you know, to get to know more about them and their culture and their language. So I asked them to teach me some words in Arabic. Um, and the first words they taught me were good morning. And I really wanted to get it right. I would, like, kept practicing. So, you know, the first day of school, I could go in and say good morning in Arabic to everyone. Um, so good morning in Arabic is said, like, sabah okhel, I think. I don't know. Don't trust me on that. Something like that. Um, so I kept walking around that first, you know, few hours that we met each other, and I was trying to say it over and over again so that I could really learn it. Um, and the second part of it, okhel, okhel, I don't know, was really where I struggled and clearly still do struggle. Um, so I would walk around saying, like, okhel, 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 and I really was trying to, like, get it. And eventually the teacher turned to me and she was like, stop saying that. And I was like, oh my God, why? Um, I thought I was being, maybe just being annoying. I don't know. And she's like, so I guess the word that I was saying, okay, okay, was not morning. You know, it was a similar word, but actually meant penis. So instead of making a good impression on my co-teachers, um, I walked around for the first hour basically yelling penis in Arabic. So yeah. 
When a drunk person walks into your room at night, there's not much you can do about it. Well, except maybe lock your door. (laughs) It's not ideal to use adult language in front of a bunch of kids. But when you're learning a new language, it's not surprising that you'll mess up every so often. No big deal. Other times, when things go wrong, it really is our fault. I mean, there are just some things that we're going to do as young people that end up causing some chaos in Israel. Don't worry, though. You just might end up half naked in a pizza shop or with one of your body parts on fire. It was a tough day of teaching. I forget what we did in the afternoon, but uh, probably lesson planning and just like hanging out and, you know, just doing whatever we do at night to, to unwind. There was a sauna at Airbnb. And so every night I would go to the sauna and just kind of like hang out in, you know, my swim trunks. Nobody else went. So it was just me by myself in there. And then I would always just kind of go straight to bed, like shower off and then go to bed for the night. Well, this night I went to go hang out and or in the sauna. And then I was done with my 20 minutes and I got out and I started just going towards my room, which you kind of have to cross the like middle courtyard to be able to get to. And there were still people hanging out and they were like, well, I was like, what? (laughs) They were like, we're going to go get pizza. Do you want to come with us? There was this little pizza shop just right up the street um, that, uh, you know, we was open till late at night. And we always used to go buy food there because it was like one of the only places to go eat that was in our neighborhood. And mind you, I just got out of the sauna. And so I was in my swim trunks, but over my swim trunks, I had a bathrobe. I was one of the only people in our B&B that discovered that we had bathrobes in our rooms. And I wore mine everywhere I went around the hotel because it really wasn't like a big deal. Like everyone kind of just saw me there and I was like, the dude abides. I was like, no, I found this bathrobe. I'm chilling in this bathroom. But normally I have clothes on. This time I was legitimately in my bathrobe in swimming trunks and flip-flops and i was like hey um no and they were like no will please just come with us come on i was like do you see what i'm wearing they're like no it doesn't matter just come come with us and i was like oh okay and so why not let's do it so i literally was just like okay i'm going with them and it's like a group of like five or six ladies and myself and um so we're walking up the street and spot and so far like so far so clear so good like nobody's around and then all of a sudden we start seeing cars driving by and so cars are like honking at me and driving by and like yelling things that of course i don't really understand and then somebody had stopped the car to ask if i was doing i don't remember what it was called but it was like apparently if you are making aliyah and you're um uh converting that there's a process in which you have to be naked and so i don't remember what that was called but um i basically we were just like no 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 that's not it so we get to the pizza shop luckily we literally had been going here for weeks like every single night pretty much and so the guy just kind of like gave me a look and you know um that was pretty much it like he was fine like because we used to laugh and joke all the time so then that just kind of became the normal situation at that moment like will's just in a bathrobe and then suddenly there started you know more people from the actual like neighborhood started like coming by and just kind of like giving me looks and luckily nobody was really negative about it there wasn't really um anyone just like super offended by the fact that i was walking around like this but again um at least i have to say that my friends were very supportive and i think that you know i felt so comfortable with the people that i met in our community there in spot that i just felt invincible like i could go around with my people around from 
Tama anywhere and you know be able to just kind of roll with the punches and and really just enjoy what it was like to be in that community in that society and so I'm really looking forward to another year with more people to meet and uh, yeah so I definitely will be hanging around in a bathrobe if there is one available to me so make sure you uh, say hi so one day Hey, um, our principal told us that we were going to be making pizzas in class, which I thought was so much fun. And I love being hands-on with the kids, and I knew they would love it. Um, And they basically brought an oven to the class, like an actual portable oven, um, and then sat it on one of the desks in the classroom. And uh, so we plug in this oven. So the oven is sitting on the desk and there's a, a cord hanging into the, where, where we plugged it into the wall. And as we're making the pizzas, the kids who are, you know, seven to nine years old are starting to get rowdy and, and excited and running around a bit. And they keep jumping over this cord as this oven is heating up there. And they're getting excited by the oven and they start touching it and, and they're burning their hands. And we're trying to keep them away from the oven. Um, and we're trying to make the pizzas and also cook the pizzas at the same time. The oven was extremely hot and we needed something to basically take out the tray with the ready-made pizzas in the oven. So I found a paper towel and I thought, okay, this will protect my hand uh, because it was extremely hot. So I used the paper towel and I'm taking out the tray with the ready-made pizzas on it. And because the oven was so hot, the paper towel actually got caught on fire. So this fire is climbing up the paper towel onto my hand and the kids all go silent because their teacher's hand is on fire. Um, And my co-teacher yells out, oh my gosh, Jordana, your hand is on fire. And I started freaking out. So I sort of, you know, put out the fire by shaking my hand. The fire went out. The kids were all silent. All of a sudden there was panic in the room because their hand, my hand was on fire and I had to calm all the students down and opened up the window. And anyway, the pizzas were delicious, all was well, we got rid of the oven. And I came downstairs after and basically said to the principal, I don't think we should make pizzas again. <laughs> I think I think that we should we should do something else with that lesson instead of making pizzas from now on. Part of the job of teaching, part of what you sign up for when you agree to go live in a foreign country, is all the trouble or mishaps you'll find yourself in along the way. These are the moments we grow from. In addition to an incredible experience and falling in love with kids who will capture your heart, you have to be ready for some balagan, for rowdy kids, language barriers, and in very rare cases, a pizza fire. But you know what? These aren't the drawbacks of this program. They're the highlights. Have you ever gathered around with your teacher friends to trade stories and they go for the heartwarming tale of how their well-behaved class all did well on a homework assignment? Of course not. That story would be terrible. What we remember, what we thrive on, are the times when we tore our pants in East Jerusalem or when we accidentally cursed out a bunch of little kids. Oy vey. We tell these stories because for all the anxiety and embarrassment we might have felt in the moment, we grow from these experiences. And for that, they are all worth it in the end. Because if you started a fire around a bunch of kids, walked the streets of Israel half naked, or nearly escaped being murdered by a stranger in the middle of the night, that may be a slight embellishment, you'll be stronger for it the next day. And then... The next school year, when you're back in your classroom and something goes wrong, it's gonna seem like a big deal for a moment. 
but after a second, you'll stop, think back to your summer adventures, and there's going to be one overriding thought in your mind. (laughs) This is nothing. And you'll know that you can take on whatever challenges come your way. For more information on Talma and how you can get involved, visit TalmaIsrael.com. 